Before we start this episode, just want to continue to give our thoughts to everybody that has been impacted by this coronavirus. Um, you know, we hope all your friends and family and loved ones are safe. Uh, but as well as that, just want to give a continual thanks to everybody who is out there working, supporting the communities, whether it is um, frontline workers in the medical field like doctors, nurses and other healthcare professionals, whether it is teachers who are still out there teaching students, um, you know, store workers, delivery drivers, couriers, um, and apologies if I have forgot anybody, but I uh, just want to say a continual thanks to everybody that is out there and serving the greater needs of the community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages, welcome to episode 15 of the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast where we'll be breaking down the recently announced schedule and discussing the strength of schedule from a fantasy perspective. Now, I appreciate this is a dynasty podcast, so you may be wondering why we'd be even looking at strength of schedule. But I think it's important, particularly if you're a team that's looking to try and win now and you're trying to maybe get some of those veterans who you think could win you the ship, it is very important to look at the schedule and who they're going to be playing, look at some of the runs of games they're going to have, so we'll be looking through strength of schedule and players that we think you should possibly target from those teams uh, that have favorable schedules and players to maybe try and avoid from teams that have unfavorable schedules. And this, of course, will uh, definitely help when it comes to season long leagues. So uh, we'll get right through it. So with me, we have uh, Mo. Giddy up. Hey, Mo, we have Paul. Evening all. And last but not least, we have Chiggs. Happy birthday, Amir. Oh, ah, thank you very much. Happy birthday. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, so it is tomorrow from when we're recording, but oh, it will okay. have been my birthday by the time we release, I think. So no, thanks a lot. Good work, Chiggs. Next week's Paul's as well, isn't it? Uh, it's the week after, 28th. The big 5-0, right, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> oh, a bunch of old farts in here. <laughs> So, um, how old are you, Amir? I'm going to be 35. Jeez. Uh, Chiggs is going to be 35 in a few weeks, right? That's right, yeah. Cool. So, Mo, what are your thoughts uh, just at a high level when you looked at the schedule and strength of schedules? Anything that really stuck out to you before we do a detailed breakdown? Um, uh, I think uh, just a couple of the teams that are going to, like, you know, the ones that, they, that most uh, analysts rated as having the easiest schedules. I mean, I think they have a ton of fantasy studs. I mean, just off the bat, you know, you got Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Dallas, and Cleveland. And, I mean, uh, you know, all four of those teams just loaded with fantasy studs on, on those teams. So, I mean, I think I think you might, you might have some high-scoring um, uh, fantasy players this year, honestly. Yeah, fully agree. And, Chiggs, any observations? Just when soon as you saw what the schedule was looking like i mean yeah based on based on those teams there obviously the thing that stands out for me is the the quarterbacks right so obviously baltimore goes without saying lamar jackson is going to be going very very early in startup drafts but it's the it's the next sort of three so pittsburgh obviously with big ben coming back you know in, in a dynasty league 
aging player, but we kind of touched on him before being that kind of guy you can pick up later on or you can trade for. Uh, given his strength of schedule as well, he could be that difference maker. Obviously, Dak, um, his season last year, kind of, you know, can he build upon that? And then the big one is Cleveland and Baker. You know, can he have a bounce back season? Or, you know, was it just a bit of overhype? Yeah, so a lot lot to break down then. Uh, so we'll start with what has been ranked as the easiest going down to hardest. And just to make clear from the offset that strength of schedule and easy to hard is based on the record of the teams that any given team played last year and the win percentage of those teams. So, for example, Baltimore perceived to have the 32nd rank strength of schedule, i.e. the easiest, and that's because the record of the teams they played last year overall was 112 victories to 144 defeats, which is only a 43% uh, win percentage, whereas number number one on strength of schedule, or, you know, the team with the hardest, was the New England Patriots, and that's because the victory percentage was over 53, almost 54%, or point, you know, 537. So we'll break down some of the teams uh, that have easy schedules and difficult schedules, and also in the fantasy playoffs, if you're looking that far ahead, players you may want to target. So we'll start with the Ravens, a team that had very productive fantasy players last year, but namely Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram as the running back, and then Mark Andrews. There weren't really any other receivers of note, but the one that really sticks out to me there is if you're a team that's trying to win now, and also with the signing of Dobbins, how aggressively would you pursue somebody like a Mark Ingram? So, Paul, do you think it's really Mark Ingram's job all season? Would you have confidence that he doesn't get um, surpassed by Dobbins through the season? Not really, no. I mean, Ingram's been good wherever he's been, but they've with Lamar running so much um, and Dobbins and Ingram, um, you know, he's still, he's still a good player, but I'd be a little bit wary of him um, actually. Yeah. And what about yourself, Chiggs? Any interest in a Mark Ingram given the schedule that they do have? I don't think you can get Ingram. You know, ideally the ideal scenario is you end up with Ingram and Dobbins and you have mm. that backfield. So kind of when Dobbins takes over, you've got that handcuff, as it were. But I don't think, you know, you can get the kind of value to get them both. It doesn't really make sense from what I'm seeing. Do you think I they're going to Do you think he'll take over or do you think they might have a bit of a committee for a while? Which yeah, no, horrible situation. definitely. Definitely. It's Ingram's job at the start of the season, I think. Um, you know, he's produced last year, but I just think Dobbins talent level, it, you know, it may not even be this season. But, you know, we saw it last year with Nick Chubb and um, Carlos Hyde, right? Uh, it took him a little while to get in. Um, was it last season or season before? Sorry. Um, season it took before. him a little while to to break out. But then once once he took over, you know, it was his. And I can see that happening with J.K. Dobbins. It's just going to be when. And obviously, you don't want to be trading big for Mark Ingram. And then come fantasy playoffs, he hasn't even got a job. And you don't really want to have both. Of them. I mean, you'd like to have both of them, but not realistically where they're going to be drafted. Exactly. Um, in a redraft, I mean, if it's you know if it's a dynasty and you can do it and handcuff it, great. But I think it's a bit tricky actually. Otherwise, I actually no. like um, uh, Dobbins. Uh, 
I, I mean, even if Ingram, I mean, I think Ingram will be the starter all year, but I think uh, playoff time, um, the late weeks, the last three weeks, I mean, Baltimore plays Cleveland, Jacksonville, and the Giants pretty, you know, I would say, I mean, not, not too, I mean, Giants definitely easy. But during that, during those last few weeks, definitely week sixteen, I presume they're going to probably want to give Ingram some rest. So in which case, uh, they'll probably go ride Dobbins the whole game. I mean, I, I, you know, most likely they'll, as, as long as as long as they're not fighting for you know the division or anything, I'm presuming that they're going to probably run away with the, with the division. They're probably going to have you know week sixteen sort of almost like a buy and seventeen as a buy, and they may just ride let you know decide to rest Ingram and let just ride Dobbins and save Ingram for the playoffs. But wasn't that kind of one of the issues we saw with the Ravens last year when they made the playoffs and they obviously rested, um, rested players week sixteen and obviously had the, you know, the bye week as well. It, they got to the sort of playoffs and they just were a little bit flat. I I, I agree with that. I I'll just say, I think a lot of it also has to do with youth too. I think that's just too young of a team, um, and uh, you know, it's still like a second year offense. Uh, for you know, second year QB and all, I, th- I think there, I think there are a lot of variables there. Their defense wasn't as strong as it's going to be this year. Um, I, I, you do, you do have that concern. Um, but I think I, so I, I don't believe they'll arrest everyone, but I think they'll arrest someone like you know a bell cow like Ingram because uh, you know I've seen that quite a bit. Well, you know they they might you know they might play him for a quarter or two, and then just you know my, you know you got a young stud back there. You want you want him to get as much as many reps as you can. Uh, why not games around the end of the season when you're resting your main guy and also, um, uh, you know, games that probably don't matter as much. Yeah, so I think just ending on the Ravens, I think the advice here is if you're in a rookie draft and you've got one of those top six picks, top five picks, if Dobbins falls to you and you have Ingram, draft Dobbins. Uh, because if you can secure that backfield, it's going to be a run first backfield and you, you'll get production for years, you know, barring injury. Uh, and if you're, if this is from the lens of a redraft league, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to draft both of them and let Dobbin sit on your bench throughout the season, uh, if you can afford to have him as a sort of passenger on the bench, because there will come a time where he'll get his run, and I think Ingram will slowly be phased out. So I'm in agreement with most of the guys here. But so the, that was the Ravens. We've got the easy schedule, marginally. Uh, less easy after them is in division it's the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers you've got the 31st ranked schedule Um, now Pittsburgh's an interesting one because I know Chiggs you alluded to it they've got Big Ben coming back and we've all discussed Ben on a couple of episodes and with in general agreement that we think he'll have a good season but I suppose I have to ask Paul what are your what is not concerns what are your thoughts on Big Ben coming back and would you be confident that he can stay fit? Are you? Would you trade more than maybe what his value is if you're trying to win the ship? Um, I'm pretty confident in him. Actually, you know, he's so tough. Um, I, I, I don't think he'd be a problem. I, I wouldn't. I'd be more concerned about drafting him where he's probably going to go in a new dynasty league, just for longevity. And I don't mean this season. I do mean over, you know, over the next few years he hasn't got that much longer left probably but i would be pretty confident for this year with him but surely by that token he's the kind of guy if you're going to wait on quarterback you know you end up with some of these aging guys that you're only probably going to have them for a year or two you know your phil rivers your tom brady's your, your big ben's your drew Brees, even as well probably go slightly before these guys but if you're going to wait on quarterback and you know, you'd load up early on on those sort of stud 
receivers and running backs and, and tight ends. And you can pick up Big Ben as your starting quarterback. I know it's only a one, one or two year probably thing, but if it ties you over for now, and you can kind of worry about it down the line. He's the kind um, of classic weight on quarterback guy that you probably want, I'd say. Yeah, no, Maybe. I agree. I think I think he's um he's certainly worth. Uh, I'd, I'd certainly be happy to take him in a um in a redraft if I could get him late. Um, and if it depends also if I was gonna if I was gonna try and target one of the older guys, I'd want to be picking up. You know, I'd be, be trying to target one of the one of the new rookies as well, or or one of the younger guys just to pair him with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so some sort of combo of that I think, if you can for sure. And then but what about? I'm not sure if I'm. I wouldn't. I'm not sure if I'd be particularly fussed whether I got him or Brady or you know. And they're both going similar-ish. I'd have thought. And it's interesting because um, even though Steelers have one of the easier schedules, I think they have a fairly difficult schedule coming towards the playoffs. Uh, we, you know, week twelve they've got Baltimore. So if you're in one of those situations where um, you're trying to squeeze into the playoffs, then Baltimore are a good defense all round. But they've also added on that D-line. So could be worrying if you're relying on somebody like a James Conner or whoever the RB is at the time to get, get you to where you're going. And then after Baltimore, you've got Washington. And we all know that Ron Rivera has been slowly building up a really good defense there. And then as if that wasn't bad enough, then you're on the road at Buffalo in december so it could be snowy conditions wintry so i would take it with some precaution uh of course you know if you're in a fortunate position where you're coasting in the playoffs and you get a bye for week 14 then on the road at cincinnati is probably one of the best matchups you could ask for in week 15 and then week 16 in uh, indianapolis but they're they're a good defense they're actually one of the dsts i'd be targeting this year i think they've really uh, accumulated well and then getting DeForest Buckner I know they gave up the first it, it's a it's a bit of a tentative one but Pittsburgh at home I think we all know Big Ben at home is a different beast to on the road so I, I'd be targeting Big Ben it's just I would try and make a really honest assessment as to where your roster is and whether you think you're good enough to get a bye week or if you think you're going to be squeezing into that playoffs because the lead up to the playoffs is difficult. We're looking on the road at Jacksonville against the Ravens and then against the uh, Redskins. So treat that with some caution, I would say. And that's that classic point, you know, when when you get to that point in the season when you are making that assessment of do you think you can really make a run for it and will Big Ben set you over the edge? You know, and if the team that you're trading with is out of contention, it kind of works for both parties, right? So those are the kind of sort of trades you're looking for as a, especially a team that's going to go into rebuild. If you're not making the playoffs, you don't need Big Ben, so try and try and shop him. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you're a team that owns him and um, you're looking to sell him because you don't think you're going to contend, try try not to bring up strength of schedule leading up to the playoffs, and <laughs> just try and get as much capital as you can uh, or young players as you can because. Uh, I think that's quite a scary run in to the um to the last couple of weeks there. So next up then we've got the Cowboys who have 30th rank strength of schedule. Now Cowboys are a very interesting one because they were a, the number one 
offense last year uh, turned into a very pass-heavy offense under the uh, offensive coordinating of Kellen Moore. They've got a change of head coach, but they've added many people's best receiver in the draft. So out goes Randall Cobb, in comes CeeDee Lamb. So you'd think that they could be a very potent passing offense. And of course, with Zeke, one of the best running backs in the league, um, is is always going to be one of the earliest players selected and somebody you're going to have to pay for quite a lot. So just looking at the Cowboys, Chiggs, anything that stands out to you about their schedule? I don't like, again, that run into the playoffs. Um, you've got Washington week uh, week 12, divisional game, and at Baltimore week 13, at Cincinnati, okay, fine, but then San Francisco in week 15, and Philly week 16. Yeah, I mean, if I'm trying to win now, I am not going to overpay for Zeke, because you mentioned those games, and even before that, just after the bye, they're on the road at the Vikings. So you've got the Vikings, the Redskins, the Ravens, the 49ers, and the Eagles, five of maybe the top eight to ten run defenses in the whole league. Mo, what are your thoughts on, um, say, Dak as a QB? How early would you be taking him in a redraft, for example? Um, I would, in a redraft, uh, well, I've, I would always say I'm more of a... Uh, I've always draft. I always draft quarterbacks late. I don't draft a quarterback within the first seven rounds. But if um, if you're drafting a QB this year, I mean, I think he has to be a top three QB, top four QB after Mahomes and and, and Jackson. And I can make a decent argument that he kind of can get lumped in in the middle right there between you know Kyler Murray, Dak. Um, I mean, there and you know Watson. Uh, he he just has too many fantasy weapons surrounding him. Um, again, I think yeah, I think you, may, I, I mean, you and Chicks both made the same uh, same uh, assessment there that during the playoffs, I mean, playing Minnesota, Washington, Baltimore, uh, running up, and then San Francisco, Philly at the last two, um, not ideal during the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, in a redraft, I mean, uh, again, I, I think I think I'm the wrong person to ask for where I would draft him QB wise because I think I, I would never draft a QB. Um, in the front in the first seven rounds, and I think he'll go in the first seven rounds. I think he's a top five QB uh, being drafted this year. He should be, if not. You you so you reckon he'll be top three? Do you say top five? Um, I, I think I think fantasy wise, I, 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 man, it's gonna be hard to say, but I'm I'm I, he might be the third best. I mean, last year is what the second. Granted, so, Mahomes was injured third, so I mean, yeah, I kind of see him where he landed last year. Except I think he'll be even better this year. So can we get a is, can we get a a, a a fab bet for uh, uh, to add, out of the top four. Um, you're four saying he's the, out. Ah, I'm see, four, four for the push. You get the win on the top three, and I take the after. Uh, I think. I think because of the difficulty of the playoff schedule, you got to give me five. Oh, yeah. I think you might. Okay. I think he might be in the five. I think he might be five actually. Yeah, it's 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 the last six weeks. I mean, I I think he'll get you there. I mean, what, the first first few weeks you're playing Rams, Atlanta, Seahawks, a little difficult. Cleveland Giants, Arizona, that's going to be a shootout. Um, Washington, again, we'll see how their defense shows up. Um, yeah, they got they actually, you know, they say they don't have a tough schedule, but when you look at their uh, who they play against, um, just on like the teams they play against, they have against the run the twenty seventh um, hardest schedule. Yeah, 
And if against the pass, which I guess we're, that's, that's what, the, what the fat bet we best on, we bet on, we, we're on the middle of the pack there. Uh, they ranked around 18. So they had the 18th, you know, easiest, most difficult schedule uh, against defenses. Um, they're ranked right, right in the middle. So, ooh, I, I'm going to have to go with top five just because I think there's other QBs. I think Baltimore and Kansas City will be numbered one and two. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would, I would have to take top five if we're making a bet. But he's definitely a top five QB to be drafted. Fair enough. Well, you, you guys got to take this conversation offline. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're keeping track on the ledger, Mo, as well. Uh, I do. I do. Uh, we have it going. Okay, excellent. So last team I wanted to look at on the easy side was the Cleveland Browns. Now, Cleveland, we know, have got a lot of offensive weapons, and we've alluded to this a few times on the podcast in terms of over the season, they've got the 11th easiest pass sh- schedule, but 31st most difficult run schedule. And that's interesting because they've almost gone to a coaching system that's run first. They've brought in Andy Janovich as a fullback, Austin Hooper as a tight end, who you'd think will be helping out on pass blocking a lot to try and help that run game. So, Paul, if you are a Nick Chubb owner, would that schedule be worrying you at all about just some of the run defenses that he has to face in the season? I don't like the first week. I don't like it whenever whenever you've got a a player and their first week's just tough because it immediately puts you in a back foot and you know you're going to be. And I know it's it's a long it's a longer game than just you know just one season. But I'd you know he's I, I'd, I'd rather they weren't playing Baltimore in the first week. It's quite nice they got Cincinnati after Washington would be interesting as we already said. Um, you know, they're a little bit up and down all the way through, aren't they? No, you're right. And, and they they do tend to step up for some of the divisional games just with the rivalry that exists in the AFC North. Because Pittsburgh, again, in division, Pittsburgh are one of the better run defences, um, you know, led by so, some of that D-line there. And you've got the great linebackers like TJ Watt there as well, who's been good since he's been in the league. But it is a tough division, uh, although clearly they've got an easy schedule with the other divisions they're playing. Chiggs, what are your thoughts on Nick Chubb for this season? So Any think, concerns? Well, yeah, obviously Kareem Hunt still being there as well is going to eat into the um, the receiving work. You know, sort of the PPR value for Nick Chubb's not really going to be there. But I still expect them to score points. Um, you know, he's going to be the main goal line back. So. I think you'll still put the yardage up. I am a little bit worried about the strength of the the run defenses they're playing, but yeah, you know, I think the guys are talented running back. So would I be would you would you be drafting him at the back end of the first round in a startup? I think so. And then conversely, then what are your thoughts on this season for OBJ Landry? Hooper and Joku, for example, and from a QB perspective, Baker, and also bearing in mind they drafted offensive tackle, didn't they, in the first round? I forget which one they yeah, got. Man. Was it Mackay Becton? Um, mine's, mine's gone blank. I know four of them went early. Correct. And then they also got Cochran. Uh, what's it, Conkin on the right side, too? That's right. Yeah. So they're looking to obviously protect Baker better than they have done. So does all of that mean you'd be targeting some of their receivers, perhaps? The problem we've got with, um, oh, sorry, it was, it was Jedrick Wills they took. In the... That was it, Jedrick Wills, right. yeah. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we talked about this in previous episodes, and we think they're going to be fantasy relevant. You know, they're going to score points, but it's just going to be who's it going to be on any given week. So I think you'll see on any given week OBJ going off or Landry having a good week, Hooper. But I just think across all of those guys, they're all going to eat, eat into each other. So I think it's going to be hard to call on any given week. That That's going to be the, the worry for me with the with the Browns passing game. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, one thing to note about Chubb, though, the last two weeks they are playing the Giants and the Jets. So um, uh, I think he'll be solid around that time. Uh, uh, here's one thing, though. Quarterback standing right now, I think they have Baker, Baker Mayfield ranked like 15th overall. You think that's too high or too low for him? In redraft leagues or in dynasty? In redraft leagues. Um, uh, so like this, well, just 2020 fantasy projections. I think that's uh, far too low, I'd say. Given the moves that they've made to protect him, uh, I'd, I'd say probably just edges top 10 or around that top 10 for me. I agree. 15 seems a bit low. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is if I'm a team that's looking to win now, and I know he's not an especially old player, but I'd try and target Jarvis Landry because if you if you can get somebody to part with him for an early second, I'd probably have somebody like a Jarvis over the players you're going to get at the 201, 202. Personally, if you're looking for instant success, because you're probably looking at somebody like a T. Higgins um, at that spot, maybe a Michael Pittman Jr. You may get somebody like Justin Jefferson fall to you. But I'm talking about if you've made moves and you're trying to throw your eggs into that basket to win now, I'd be targeting Landry because I don't think he's going to be anywhere near as expensive as an OBJ would, who I think is another player who's going to have a good bounce-back season. But he had a good rapport with Baker. In spite of all the issues they had with Freddie Kitchens, Jarvis Landry always looked pretty good last year and was actually a very good receiver. So that's just my opinion. I don't know, Chiggs, what's the earliest pick you might give up for somebody like a Jarvis? Well, it's, it's funny because, as you say, I think Jarvis Landry is a very underrated fantasy producer. It's funny because Paul's always had a thing for him. I never really saw this goes back to his Miami days, but he's always been a sort of sneakily productive player. Now, if you say you're giving up an early second for him, it generally would mean that you finished... Um, near the bottom of the league uh, for that. So it's probably unlikely you know, you're going to be in a position to sort of go and try and go for the ship. So you're not going for him. But if you've somehow acquired like one of those early second picks just from trading, I think Chris did it in one of our leagues where he's traded back out of the first mm. early second. So I think he finished third last year in the league. So as yes. you say, giving up the 201 for Jarvis Landry... So it maybe puts him over the edge, as you say, over a T. Higgins or a Michael Pittman, Denzel Mims, who will probably still take a few years to kind of develop into that sort of receiver you want him to be. If Landry gives you the production now, yeah, I'd be happy giving up an early second. Yeah, and Denzel Mims in particular will touch on some of the tougher schedules, but the Jets have got the 31st, oh, sorry, the second ranked schedule on strength of schedule, so second most difficult. And then in the pass, from a fantasy perspective, they're number 30th ranked in terms of the opposition they're playing. 
So if you're looking for instant success from Denzel Mims, I think it's going to be hard to come by. And that's no slight on the coaching staff like we may have done in the past. I think that's just because of just because of who they're going to play. I mean, that that division has got probably the best corners in any mm. in all of football. You got, you know, Stefan Gilmore at the Patriots. You've got Byron Jones now at the Dolphins as well. Uh, the Bills with Tredavious White. So you've just got some incredible corners in that AFC East. So I'd be very, very cautious if you're drafting Mims and looking for instant success. So, yeah, the Browns are very intriguing and it's difficult. And we've said this over and over again, just because of the number of options that they have down there. But uh, we'll see how we get on drafting Browns. I'm just going to touch on a couple of the teams who are not up there in the top five easy schedules. Before you go out of the next ones, what about Washington? Fifth best schedule. Who are you taking on them from the offensive side? Dwayne Haskins. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. I don't think that's. Terry McLaurin, I think, is obviously the most sort of fantasy relevant player. I'd say, you know, he obviously had a good season last year and talented wide receiver, but not really going to be overly keen on that Washington offense in general. No, and it's funny we sit there and we they have the ball, you know, right up there in the one of the easiest um, schedules, but you still don't really want to touch any of them. And that that's because you you don't trust where they're at. They're a team that's in rebuild, and they're actually a young team. There aren't any veterans who you can draft and rely on. I mean, AP Adrian is Peterson. there, but how much would you want to rely on Adrian Peterson in fantasy? Go back in time and get him. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind um, of why I skip past Washington there. I was going to say, Geist is an interesting prospect. I mean, as long as he stays healthy. And um, I think Scary Terry is probably the best option there. But someone's got to throw to him. Good old Haskins. They do play the eight. They do have the eighth easiest. They're ranked eighth um, as per the most difficult pass uh, defense they run. So eighth easiest uh, pass defense they'd be facing all year. Yeah, they've got some good opposition there from a pass perspective, but it's just how much do you trust them? And then when they're under pressure to score points, do you trust Haskins not to choke under pressure and start throwing interceptions, for example? I know it could it could be a really great buy low on some of these Washington players, but I'd be very wary personally about going after anyone anyone there. I mean, next up after that, in terms of the easy ones, we have the Bengals. But I think you know, with Bengals Joe Burrow has obviously got a lot to prove. He's going to be a starter from the get go, but they've got the thirty first hardest fantasy schedule for pass and thirtieth for run. So I think they're going to have a tough season of it and they'll be continuing to go through that rebuild but even with the likes of Mixon he's got some very very difficult games so I'm not sure if there's anyone I'd be targeting from the Bengals for if I was a win now team even AJ Green I think I'd be very concerned about targeting someone like that I don't know Chiggs if you've got any opinions on the Bengals I think like you said they've got a they're in rebuild. You know, there's some nice stuff they showed last year in flashes. But AJ, the trouble with AJ Green is, and I, I love AJ Green, is can he stay healthy? You know, I've had him, I've had him burn me in the playoffs before, where you, you're cruising going through the season, and then he gets injured at crunch time. So, yeah, Mixon's obviously the main guy. You're hoping that 
can kind of carry that team on the ground. He's still got his contract situation to sort out, I think, as well, right? So mm. doesn't help. You know, we I, I don't like running backs holding out. As we saw at Melvin Gordon last year and Levell's done before. So I think they're a bit of a wait and see. See how Barra gets on over there. But yeah, definitely wouldn't be going rushing out to start acquiring shares of Cincinnati offensive players. <laughs> yeah, I agree. We'll touch on some of these middling teams towards the end of the episode. But let's go on the teams that have the hardest schedules. So I, do, I know I mentioned uh, across the episode the the top three hardest schedules are the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, and then the Miami Dolphins, all in the AFC East. Uh, and they, they, they're playing both of the West divisions this year, so the AFC West and NFC West. So a lot of lot of difficult games there. Um, I mean, New England have gone through a pretty drastic change in losing Tom Brady, uh, which is a, effectively like a whole culture change with losing the QB. Jared Stidham, not played so you don't really know what you're getting I think the first player that comes to mind when I look at New England is Julian Edelman because he was very good for fantasy last year and you may be thinking if you're a team that's win now that he may be a player to target just because of the volume he got last year however myself I'd be very wary because as I said a lot has changed at the Patriots and I don't know if Edelman's gonna have that relationship with Stidham or whoever ends up being QB that he did with Brady. Um, I don't know, uh, Mo. What are your initial thoughts on the Patriots? I'm I'm kind of staying away, honestly. Um, backfield, it's too you know, it's always back, running back by committee back there. Um, Stidham might be someone interesting because I think uh, you know their defense. I think took a step back this year, so I think they're going to be they're going to have to put up a lot of points. Um, again, like there's just too many question marks there. Kind of like how you know we had the same question marks with Washington and Cincinnati. Um, just, um, however, uh, as for Edelman himself, I'm not a fan. I don't. I, I I'm in a dynasty league. I would be almost targeting Nikhil Harry if anyone. Um, I think last year he just was just. I think last year was just thrown was waste just because of all his injuries. He's, he's kind of he he endured there, but I still think he's an elite wide receiver. Um, I mean, he was he was drafted what first round, I believe, by the Patriots last year, and um, I think he he can develop into something good if he can build up a relationship with Stenham there. Well, I mean, or or the future QB they draft next year. Um, and also, but again, I think I, I'm for the most part for if, if I'm winning, if I'm trying to win this year, I'm more or less going to stay away from all the players there, especially the last again playoff time they're playing. Um, they're playing uh, Rams, Miami, and Dolphin and the Bills, um, which have which have solid, you know, defenses. So, um, honestly, I'm just kind of staying away from every player. But dynasty perspective, I think the only one I really like is Nikhil Harry. See, Any I, interest? I, I, I like um, Sonny uh, Michelle there, particularly when they've got, you know, it. I could see them end up end up going. I, I would. I don't really want wide receivers because a quarterback change is such a big change. But I personally think that you might get a bit more value out of him. And they may end up being more, you know, more run heavy than, than kind of expected almost. I think my only concern is the is the running back they drafted early last year, uh, Damien is Harris. Damien Harris. Yeah. Yeah, that's what kind of concerns me, if anything. Um, uh, Burkett's still there. White's still there. I mean, it just it's too crowd. It's too much of a it's too crowded of a backfield for my liking. 
That, and that, yeah. That's the problem. I think, as you say, there's, there's too many guys. The guy that I would be targeting, you know, you're sort of late round in a startup, just kind of sleeper, kind of blabbing and trying to acquire shares of him all off seasons. Damian Harris, just purely because of he's going to be the cheapest guy to acquire, and if he can get the job, it could be could be the guy. But yeah, it's it's hard to sort of call where the Patriots are going to be. As you say, with with all the change, right? Yeah, any so that, interest, that's what I fear. Any interest from anybody in Mohamed Sanu, considering they did give up a second for him? Not in a dynasty standpoint, I don't yeah. think so. I think a redraft, maybe. I mean, I think you might be able to get Sanu on the on the on the waiver wire, honestly, even in a twelve team uh, league. Uh, I, I don't think I'm drafting anyone. I think the only the only thing I'm only looking long term when it comes to the Pats offense uh and that's uh that's i mean like i said yes you could take a flyer on damian harris and i mean uh, i i'm i'm more bullish on akil harry if anything uh, just from his college career okay he, he's the kind of guy you say you take in late round in a in a, in a redraft league and you'll put him on your bench for the first few weeks and obviously if he's a bit like what terry mclaurin did last year right obviously kind of was going a bit under the radar. Darius Slayton as well. They sort of produced. You're hoping that see that was meant to be Harry last year. If he can deliver this year, so yeah, you obviously take a bit of a flyer on him. Longer term. Any interest in any of their tight ends that they drafted? <laughs> I don't know much about them. Uh, Is it Devin Asiasi and forget the other guy's name? Uh, Dalton Keen. Keen. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea of uh, <laughs> I have no idea of them. Plus, weak tight end class. I'm saying no way. <laughs> yeah, I, I was burned by drafting Patriots tight ends last year. <laughs> okay, uh, is that, well, is that guy you got um, the basketball player. I mean, I know there's loads of basketball players. Mo, um, Mo Ali Cox. That's it. Yeah. Yes, he's at the Colts, isn't yeah. he? And available for a first, if anyone wants. <laughs> If I had any first less, I still wouldn't give them to him. <laughs> uh, right, so next after the Patriots, you have the Jets and then the Dolphins. So we alluded to it earlier. Jets, uh, and again, no slight on Adam Gase, who not a big fan of, but it's going to be hard to really trust anyone there this year, uh, and that includes Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Bell, you can trust just from a... Uh, workload perspective but if you're a team that's trying to win now and you're looking for that final piece of the puzzle I'd be very hesitant to give up uh, a lot for Lev Bell and by that I mean I don't think I'd even want to give up an early second for Lev Bell because I don't think he's going to bring me that instant hit that I'm looking for and just looking at the start of the season in fact the first four games are the Bills the 49ers the Colts and then the Broncos, all very tough defenses there. Could be very hard for the Jets. Uh, but then you're looking towards the back end and they've got, you know, week 12, Miami, then the Raiders, who you're not really sure what you're going to get this year. On the road to the Seahawks, which could be just one of these blowouts as the Seahawks can do at CenturyLink sometimes. Uh, again, on the road to the Rams at their new stadium. And then against the Browns, I don't know. I'm not trusting anyone at the Jets. May take some late flyers in redraft, somebody like a Jameson Crowder, but 
outside of that not sure if there's anyone that interests me what about yourself chigs any interest so it's an interesting one you know if you took sam donald last year um you know say in a startup and you paired him with a big ben or a tom brady you know you've got that young and old kind of mix a drew Brees even would you still be would you be going out looking to acquire other quarterbacks given the sort of the difficulty of their schedule yeah can you rely on sam donald being your qb1 or even qb2 um i'm not it it, it kind of depends where you are in that if, if you're trying to win now then i probably would because i, I don't fancy that schedule that it's 30th ranked for the past um, there are some easier games in the middle of the schedule. I mean, you've got the Cardinals, the Chiefs, which could be high scoring, um, again, at home to Las Vegas. But um, <clears throat> not sure what you're going to get there. It's just uh, if I had Donald and I'm trying to win now, I might be looking to trade for even if it's somebody less valuable from a dynasty perspective. Mm-hmm. If you think that QB... I don't think I'd go as far as trading Donald for Big Ben, for example. I think that's really risky, but it, say, it's a tough. Say you could trade. Say yes. Yeah, say the say. You give this scenario. You're a win now team. You think you're you're close to to winning. Um, would you trade Donald for Drew Brees plus? I would. I would, uh, and. If, if it depends on who the other QB is, because if the other QB is also an old one, like a Brady or a Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. it's a very dangerous game to play. Yeah. Whereas if my QBs are like Dak and Donald, without hesitation, I'd probably trade Donald directly for Breeze, not even more. Uh, I'd do it straight up because getting Drew Breeze with one of the easier schedules as they have could just be that bump you need. I mean, he's got the sixth ranked schedule. Uh, of of all fantasy teams in the past. So I think Breeze is definitely one of those players. If you can get him, you may need to give more than he's worth, but that could be the kind of player that in a super flex just changes it all for you. Yeah, true. Okay, wait. So you're you're giving up Darnold for Breeze and someone else or Darnold plus somebody for Breeze? I think it was Breeze plus someone else originally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or, and you're giving up Darnold. Yeah, you essentially, if you're if you're a team that's going into rebuild and you've got Drew Brees, you're getting younger at QB with Darnold. So you trade away Drew Brees. Plus, you know, plus where's Darnold even going? Do we know which round he's going in? Oh, in startups. Yeah, in the superflex, Darnold is probably in that cluster around round five, round six, where loads of QBs mm. tend to go. Yeah, maybe slips into round seven, but five to seven is where a lot of those RBs tend to go in superflex startup leagues. Yeah, that's where you sort of Matt Ryan's, Sam Darnold, you know, those kind of guys are going in that, say, in that range, and then a little bit later on is where you get those older, uh, your Phil Rivers and Tom Brady's, I'd say. Mm. See, I, I'm almost staying away from Sam Donald, honestly. I, I wouldn't want him at all. He's actually I, I don't... On, um, looked on one website. He's still behind Winston. <laughs> um, I, yeah, honestly, I would. Uh, so I, that's what I was thinking. Like, if I want a breeze, 
Um, and I have Darnold. I would have to give Darnold plus someone maybe, like someone light or just a fair trade if the guy wants to, if I want to win now. But, um, I, I mean, if I have Breeze, I think he's worth more than – I think he's worth – I think Breeze is worth more to a person that wants to win now than a Darnold. Yeah, but that's exactly the point, right? It, it's the situation of the team. This is obviously very hypothetical, but you know, if, if you're in um, if you're a rebuild team and you've got Drew Brees, he's not really going to help you. Yeah. So if you can get younger at QB, then that's kind of the. If I can get Bree, if I can get Darnold plus something for Drew Brees in rebuild, then I'll be very happy with that. Yeah, that's that, that's what I would be looking for because I'm I'm not sold on Darnold yet, especially with Gase and. I mean, the Jets are going to probably be terrible for a few years. And I mean, not n- nothing against his skill level. He just probably just hasn't had the great opportunity to succeed, actually, and develop. Yeah. And then staying in division, we have the Dolphins, again, with a very tough schedule. Uh, when, I, when I think of the Dolphins, I think the players I'm looking to immediately avoid are Devontae Parker. Even though he will be the alpha, he came on really strong last season. They've got a very difficult pass schedule. Uh, I mean, it's easy in the lead-up to the playoffs with the Jets and the Bengals. But then if you do make the playoffs, you've got the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Raiders, all could could be very difficult. And then even in-season, first game is on the road to the Patriots. Second game is at home to Buffalo. Third game is on the road to Jacksonville, who now have CJ Henderson, of course, their uh, number nine pick in the draft that in a number one um sorry number two corner in the draft you're on the road at denver on the road at san francisco uh, there are some very very horrific games there i think from a fantasy perspective so Devonte parker is not a player i'd be targeting if i'm win now i think it takes a bit of a nudge back even in a startup even though it is dynasty that year one impact in Dynasty can be very lasting and you might end up selling players for cheap just because you think they're a bit of a dud. So I am very wary of Devontae Parker personally. But Mo, what are your thoughts on Dolphins and that schedule? Uh, I agree. I agree with you there. Um, I think Parker's going he's gonna, to he's gonna demand the number one cornerback coverage right there. Um, the good thing is that uh, Iron Sharp's Iron and um, you know, he's going to go up against two top corners during practice. Um, uh, so, I mean, he, you know, he may get a little better, uh, on, on, on the offensive standpoint. Um, I'm worrying too with Preston Williams, if, uh, Parker's getting all the tension, uh, with the opposing defenses using the top corner to cover him, I think Preston Williams may sneak out there and, um, you know, uh, you know acquire some points, uh, cause you know, they're, again, I think their defense is, I mean, the defense had Miami's defense has gotten better. However, I think they're going to have to score points to stay within games and they'll be throwing the ball. And that's why I like Preston Williams' value. Granted, I'm a little biased on that. Um, hopefully, he comes back from the ACL surgery. That's the only concern I have with him. Uh, but my intriguing thing was, that I think one intriguing schedule uh, fact of theirs is that they have the fifth easiest uh, run, uh, they, uh, opposing run defenses. So, I mean, you know, they have what? They have Howard, they got Breida, uh, and, uh, you know, they saw Balazs. Um What's uh, running back-wise? What do you guys think about running back-wise? Uh, on that backfield. See, I, I like Matt Breeder. I think that was a really good pickup by them. You know, he was productive in San Fran. I think he'll be productive there as well. The only issue is going to be, you know, obviously we saw their 
their running game last year was was terrible. Now, was that a factor of obviously the quality of their running backs they had there, or you know, was it a wider problem with their O line? I know they've obviously done a bit of work to address that, and obviously getting to a, you know, obviously not at the start of the season, but as the season develops, you know, hopefully he gets a shot and what he can do with his mobility in the pocket as well. Well, you know, hopefully that will all help the running game. So yeah, Matt Breed's definitely a guy that I would would like to have a bit of. Yeah, no, I agree. And even leading up to the playoffs, they play um, week 12 and week 13, they play the Jets in Cincinnati. Two ideal teams you can run down, uh, run the ball down their throats. Okay. Uh, so the next team I want to talk about is on paper, they've got one of the most difficult schedules, and that's San Fran. They've got the fourth ranked or the first, fourth most difficult schedule. But when you look at it from a fantasy perspective, it's not all bad. It's actually the ninth from a pass perspective and 11th from a run perspective. And actually that start is not too bad at all because they've got the Cardinals, the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles who are getting burnt a lot on the pass game last year, Miami who all have improved a lot on defense, but you know, can they get their act together that early in the season, maybe with limited practice, the Rams who've lost some, big players there. So I think it's quite deceiving looking at San Fran so low or so high on the list from a strength of schedule perspective. Paul, would that put you off at all targeting any players on the 49ers? Or do you think all the names there are all fantasy viable? I, I still think they're viable. I mean, you know, they, they were so strong last year. It doesn't worry me that much, really. In fact, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. I'd still be. I'd still be picking the players. I think they're they're relatively, you know, match or you know, game uh, proof, as it were. Um, pretty much across the board, actually. And which of the RBs would you target there, Chiggs? Because they've got Mostert, they've got Coleman, and they've got McKinnon, and I think Jeff Wilson Jr. as well. <laughs> Oh, McKinnon. <laughs> That's a, yeah, like is, is, is Jared McKinnon going to get his shot finally, do you think? If nah. he can stay fit, because Shanahan loves him, and he's restructured his contract to stay as well, hasn't he? Yeah. It, it's think, tricky. I yeah, don't know who I'd target. Say, right? I think Raheem Mostert was obviously very productive last year when he was playing. Um, Tevin Coleman, you know, we know what he's done under Carl Shanahan in Atlanta and you know in flashes there in San Fran as well I think for me I'll just be taking whatever running back gives me the best value so i.e. the one that I can get the latest probably you know, I wouldn't be taking them as my main guy but if I can pick one of those up late on whoever falls to me and if they get they get a run then, then great if not back on the waiver wire Yeah, it's it's a tricky one with San Fran, and that's how Shanahan likes it. He has committees across the field there, so it'll be it'll be tricky. I mean, uh, Debo Samuel, on... sorry, is obviously one of the guys that showed some really nice stuff last year, and I think he's going to build upon build upon that going into this year. I think that's kind of a you know, if I was targeting anyone, obviously other than George Kittle, who you know probably arguably is the the tight end one in a in a dynasty startup. Um, Debo Debo is probably the guy I'd be looking to get get shares of. 
yeah, uh, I think he's got the opportunity to be the number one and should start as the number one there. Can't see any reason why that would change from a wide receiver's perspective. There were just a couple of a few other teams I wanted to touch on before we end the episode. So looking again in the difficult schedule side, looking at Buffalo here, who've got the tied for fifth hardest schedule, uh, 22nd ranked schedule for the pass and 15th for the run. What really stands out to me for Buffalo is those last four games up to week 16. In week 13, you're on the road at the 49ers. Then you've got the Steelers, who are one of the best run defenses, on the road at Denver. Again, a very good defense. And then on the road at New England. That's quite a scary-looking prospect. Is there anyone you'd still be targeting, Mo? And does that put you off, or does that, in a season-long perspective, hurt the rankings for Josh Allen as to where you may have had him otherwise? I think so. I think it does. Um, uh, leading up to, like I said, I think leading up to the playoffs, I think you're solid. Uh, they have, they have, you know, they have decent. Uh, they, have, they have actually very favorable matchups, but those last three um, uh, are going to be tough. And uh, I think it'd be wise to have a backup plan at QB. Um, or again, ideally, if you're not in the playoffs, um, hopefully you can get something out of them. But if you're if you're in the playoffs and you're looking to buy him, um, I would stay away um, from the QB. Um, uh, wide receiver wise, I don't know what's going to happen with Moss being integrated to the offense. What's going to happen to Brown's value? Um, I do like the tight end uh, Knox. Um, I think I think he's going to be a solid pickup. And I, I you know I think Singletary will still have. Um, I, th- I think he'll still. He'll still produce quite a bit. I mean, even against those defenses, I think, I think a couple of those little bubble screens or him just, you know, lining up as a whiteout or something and not creating mismatches, mismatches, I think Singletary would be pretty favorable there, um, even against those three. So I, if anyone, I would go for Singletary. Um, and Allen, at the same time, he can always get you yards with his feet. So, but I will be careful of Allen. I like, I like, I like the idea of having Allen in in redraft for the first few weeks. He's got a, an okay start, and then trying to flip him out for some, you know, change him out for something else, because his his schedule does get worse as it goes on. Yeah, that would be ideal situation. Draft him and then hopefully flip him. Luckily, I've already got him in a dynasty league when no one's got any quarterbacks. So I'm hoping that's what happens. <laughs> I, I will not be buying Paul. <laughs> is that um that week sixteen? Obviously, fantasy playoffs for most leagues at New England. Does that scare you for Stefan Diggs up against Stefan Gilmore? Oh, for sure. I think I think Allen and I think uh, I mean I'm not I'm not sold on New England's defense overall, but that corner that's a lockdown corner right there. I think Diggs will have some problems. Yeah, although uh, John Brown could be a sneaky yeah. pick for that I week because Gilmore's agree. so good, but um, you know maybe uh, Smokey Brown there could be of intrigue, or as you say. Um, uh, Singletary or Moss or whoever's leading that backfield there. So it's an intriguing one. Okay, it's just a few other teams wanted to talk about and who I think you need to be slightly wary of. So the Falcons, they of course have Julio and Calvin Ridley, but we all know that Todd Gurley, who is fantasy beast of yesteryear, has also moved there. I am not targeting Todd Gurley if I'm trying to win now. It's got one of the most horrific schedules there. Uh, from a run perspective uh, but specifically when you look at those last few games they they've got the Chargers who could have Bosa Ingram and everyone there back 
they've got on the they've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were the number one team against defense last year and then Kansas City a team that they could be behind to because it's on the road at Arrowhead uh, but even before that you're looking at the Seahawks week 1 the Cowboys week 2 the Bears week 3 on the road at Green Bay which is never easy so it's not a particularly easy start or a particularly easy end there so I'm not really targeting Gurley if I can if I'm trying to win now having seen the schedule and I'm definitely not looking to give up a first for him because I don't know that he definitely integrates into that system but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts uh, Chiggs what are your thoughts on let's say Gurley first of all as you say right the the, the schedule there looks very scary you know, a lot of those run defenses is up against let's I'll temper that. I'll still say, you know, I'm still banking on Gurley's talent. But obviously the main concern is going to be the injury, injury risk. And, you know, is his knee okay? I, th- I think I think if he's healthy, he will still produce. I don't think he's going to give you um, running back one numbers over the season. But if he can give me, you know, RB2, uh, you know, with the, the odd RB1 week here and there, I'll be pretty happy with that. Would I be okay. giving up a lot to go get him? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be rushing out, but mid second. Sure. And then what about Julio? What'd you do for Julio there then? I'd give up everything to get Julio. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, but I believe in a, in a mock draft you passed on him for was it AJ Green or someone? AJ <laughs> Brown, yeah. AJ Brown. Oh, um, AJ Brown. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a talking point. For the for the um, no, no I, I still think Julio is still going to be a top top five wide receiver on the year. Could quite easily finish as the number one. That that's his ability and talent. The key is going to be, you know, can they can they get him more involved in the red zone and can he get those touchdown numbers up? But yeah, I mean, Julio is exactly the kind of guy that will be. You know, we'll be putting you over the edge in your league in a in a win now mode. So back for, back to Gurley. Presently, for twenty twenty season, he's ranked about like sixteenth um, running back, um, which puts him around like uh, I believe like Bell's after him. You have Fournette right before him, Hilaire right before him, a couple a, a couple running backs after him. You got Carson, Gordon, uh, Jonathan Taylor, David Johnson, Singletary, Connor. Ingram, who who would you draft before him, if if you're saying if you're passing on if you're passing on Gurley, say he's available when you're looking for a running back. If it's redraft and it's PPR, or point five PPR, PPR. Correct. correct PPR. Yeah, I think Melvin Gordon is intriguing there. They've you know paid him quite a lot in free agency, and he's proven himself to be a more than capable pass catcher. Again, limited window like Gurley has, uh, but a much easier schedule against the run. In fact, the third-ranked schedule against the run. So I'd definitely say in that range, Gordon. Carson, I'm a really, really big fan of Carson. The downside is he doesn't offer you much in the passing game. So if it's PPR, it'd be a difficult decision to make. If it's half PPR, I think I'm taking Carson there. 
above Gurley. Which were the other players you mentioned? Are you not, yeah. are you not worried about Carson, you know, with obviously... A penny uh, in the backfield, yeah. Penny there, and obviously they took um, DJ Dallas in the draft this year as well. I'm not concerned about Penny. Uh, all signs are pointing to him starting the season on the pup. So chances are he misses the first six games anyway. And in fact, that's good to know if you're looking at taking up somebody a penny, uh, if you're trying to win now or in redraft. Uh, it's looking like he's going to start the season on the pup. Carson's got his own injury concerns, but at the moment, signs are pointing to him being ready for week one. Uh, I like DJ Dallas. Uh, liked what I saw on tape, but I, there wasn't enough draft capital invested that I'm thinking he's going to surpass Carson. Then again, Carson was only, what, a sixth rounder himself and just proved himself. But Pete Carroll, I think, gives the hot hand much more of the ball and doesn't tend to do committee too much. So I'd have faith in Carson. If you're taking him, you probably want to make sure you take another early running back. You don't want Carson as your RB1, say, and then Marlon Mack as your RB2, and it's very <laughs> risky strategy because you could be left with no one there. But <laughs> if I'm taking Carson, I'm probably taking... I'm going zero wide receiver or not much in terms of receiver at the start and then picking up late receivers and putting faith in the likes of your Carsons, for example. Uh, you won't believe this, but Marlon Mack has fell to the 42nd-ranked running back in a PPR league behind... Ronald uh, uh, Rojo and Dobbins. Well, I can definitely, well, definitely behind Dobbins, behind Rojo. That's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I mean, forty second best. I mean, again, these are only for twenty twenty schedule. Like what you're, what they're expecting uh, output wise. But um, yeah, they have Taylor. Everyone has Taylor. Uh, Taylor's ranked twentieth. I think we've discussed in the rookie breakdown. Taylor is arguably the best pure runner in the whole class and now he's got one of the best offensive lines yeah. to run behind so i'm definitely targeting taylor in my redraft leagues that i'm in and probably quite early i think if he's depend where i'm picking but i'd probably be looking to try and get him in the third round um and you know maybe even towards the early part of the third round ahead of some of the players we've discussed who've got hard schedules like potentially a joe mixon as silly as that might sound. I don't think Mixon will fall that far, but it would be an interesting one. Uh, in a redraft? Oh, wow. That's early for Taylor. It is, but I think once he takes over, he has said it, it's the fact that, it, in my opinion, he's the best running back, pure running back, coming I, I, into the league. I agree that. I agree with that. I, I'm definitely targeting him more like the fifth round or something. Um, but uh, I, 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 th I thought he was the best pure running back as well, especially after the combine numbers. Um, I thought he was the, uh, it just all matter where your landing spot was, which ideal landing spot, just a crowded backfield is my only concerned. Yeah, so one or two teams I just wanted to touch on. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers featuring <laughs> Rob. <laughs> featuring Rob Gronkowski, uh, actually have one of the easy schedules on paper, fourth against the pass and second against the run. And when you're looking at their season across the whole, they do have some difficult matchups. And in fact, I'm looking at weeks three, four, five against the uh, on the road at Denver, then at home to the Chargers and then Chicago. But outside of that, there are some very 
potentially high-scoring games there. You've got at the Dome on the road to New Orleans first, then uh, at home against the Panthers. Later on, you've got the likes of the Giants there, the Panthers again in division. The Chiefs, which could be a bit of a shootout, and it's at uh, the Buck Stadium. And then look at this for weeks 15 and 16. Uh, they've got the Falcons and the Lions. Mm. Can't ask for a lot easier than that. So going back to players you target if you're a win-now team, I think Tom Brady somebody I'd be targeting because it's the best receivers that he's had in maybe 10-plus years there in Evans and Godwin and OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. Plus they picked up Keyshawn Vaughn there. Plus they've got Scotty Miller, a couple of other receivers. Ogun Buwale proved himself to be a good pass catcher. I think when you add that all up, translates to, I think Tom Brady's going to have a good season. And if you're a win-now team and the guy who owns him is rebuilding, try and find something that works for both of you. That's fair. Because I, I do think for the this year in particular... I think Brady's going to have a good year. Plus, of course, I forgot to mention his favorite target, Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> yeah. as well. I, I so. agree. I think I think out of everyone in Tampa Bay, I love Brady the best. Um, I'm, uh, I think uh, wide receiver wise, I don't know who's going to ha- who's going to be up there. Um, it might be again based off matchup, uh, game by game basis. You know, the rotate on who has uh, which which receiver has the hot end. A running back, I'm I don't know, man. Rojo is going to be a running back committee. You got Vaughn, Rojo. Um, and you know, you got dirt. How, how do you say his name? Der- first name, Dury, Dere? Dare. Um, uh, him as a, a catching running back out the backfield. So it's, it's going to be, I mean, that, that, that offense is stacked. And I think Tom Brady's the one consistent, consistent, um, uh, fantasy player that will, I think, uh, pay you dividends throughout the season. I think for me, Chris Godwin's the guy I can see Chris Godwin having a monster season, you know, I... just the catching in a PPR league, Chris Godwin, the guy. I, I thought I, I thought that originally, but again, I think it's just, I mean, you got Brait, you got OJ, you got Gronk. You, I mean, Evans, yeah, he's more the deep threat, so he's, Brady's not going to throw as far. And I, I agree with you, Godwin, and I think you have uh, Scotty in the slot. I mean, it's 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 going to be intriguing. I, I like to see what they do. I think I think, I think think you're right, Godwin, based on, and also where he's being drafted, he has the highest um, upside between all his players. I think um he's he's the only one i would you know even target early on but I, honestly i'm kind of staying away from everyone in, in a in a redraft and uh and a dynasty for that purpose until they kind of until that i guess dynasty godwin to be ideal godwin's probably the best for dynasty redraft i'm kind of staying away from everyone but tom brady sure that uh, complete complete sensible uh last team maybe one or two i did want to just touch on is the chargers across the season they've got actually the number one fantasy ranked run and number one ranked pass schedule uh although when i'm looking at the schedule here it does actually get tough leading up to the playoffs on the road to the broncos on the road to the bills and then against the patriots but before we get to the bye in week 10 they've got some very juicy and potentially high scoring games against the bengals against the chiefs against the panthers that's the first three weeks Tampa Bay may be susceptible to the pass. Uh, New Orleans, always capable of getting into high-scoring games. Then you've got the Jets. So that's first six weeks. I mean, are you targeting Tyrod Taylor? <laughs> I am. He's, he's one of my sleepers. I think, what, I think he's one of those you can get, what, 12th round maybe in a redraft. 
um, even in a, in a fantasy. I mean, he'll be probably one of the last five starting QBs taken. Uh, you have to understand, you know, you're probably going to only use him for the year. Uh, and now possibly, ideally, you want to probably draft Herbert as well in a dynasty. Uh, but, um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, he's one of my sleepers. I think, I think he's going to have, uh, he's going to have a great season unless Herbert, uh, outseats him, which, you know, in a standard league can always pick her, pick up Herbert in a waiver wire. But, um, I like Tyrod. I mean, he's, he gives you the running, gives you a little bit of running yards. He's got solid receivers. You got, um, solid tight end, um, uh, solid running back, uh, got a decent old line. They upgraded up guard. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And then does that give you more confidence in players like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry? Any of those you really are looking forward to for their schedules? I think Hunter Henry, for first and foremost, just because he'd be a safety net. Um, any new QBs or any any new QBs entering a entering a new offense? Um, kind of, he's been there, he was there last year, but um, I always look for those I always look for those receivers. That's going to be their safety net, and I think. Um, you usually look at the tight end. As long as if you have an elite tight end, they usually they usually fare well. Um, as per between Williams and Keenan, um, I'm not sure who's gonna who's gonna. I mean, I think I think they're all I think they're both gonna get their share. Uh, and I also love Eckler. I think Eckler is gonna be a solid option here uh, out of the backfield. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think Hunter and I think out of the receivers, tight end, I think the safest. And then I think Keelan Allen, both Williams should have solid years. And I think so will Eckler, because I, I I mean I don't believe their defense. The reason they're ranked, well, as you mentioned, they're, they have the easiest run and pass defenses. And the only reason they're ranked right there in the middle is because of their defense, which means they will have to put up points because they're going they're going up against teams that be putting up putting up points against them. Uh, in which case, I mean, yeah, I mean that's prime uh, a prime setup for Tyrod Taylor and the wide receivers. Yeah, and I would just add that if you're a team that ends up drafting Herbert, I mean, he's going from anywhere from pick three in rookie drafts all the way to pick, I think I've seen him as low as 14, maybe 15, which I think is a <laughs> little outrageous personally. But let's say you're a team that gets him where I'm seeing him mostly five to seven. Are you actively trying to trade for Tyrod, just locking up that QB backfield? Chiggs is Tyrod interesting at all if you got Herbert or you're just going to wait it out I guess it comes down to the composition of your team if I'm getting Herbert and I've got two other QBs I can start ahead of him and I'm not really too worried I'm just going to wait and see you know I'll be taking Herbert just for the value alone and when you know, I don't need to play him now and when he does get the job I've got a third viable QB if I've taken Herbert and he's my, you know, he's my second quarterback. Then, you know, again, it depends on what I'm trying to do. And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not going to be winning or competing this year, then I can probably play someone else in that flex. So would I be going aggressively targeting Tyrod if I've got Herbert? Only if I'm in, you know, if I'm really a serious contention, I think. Because you could be giving up a future starter to it just to achieve locking up that quarterback position there. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Okay, so that was the main teams that I wanted to break down. I'm just going to touch on a couple of players here specifically that I think we need to just be slightly wary of. And I know this sounds absolutely ludicrous because he's arguably the best running back in all of football, but 
Saquon Barkley has one of the most horrific schedules actually this year for a running back when you look at it. Uh, first few games, you've got Pittsburgh, Chicago, 49ers, and then the Rams. Uh, they've obviously got Washington twice, who are a good defense. The Eagles twice, who are one of the best run defenses. Uh, and then also the Week 16, the uh, at, on the road, I should say, to the Ravens, who've added Calais Campbell, amongst other players, and, of course, the Seahawks just before. So that was one player that, when I looked at the schedule, I thought, wow, I know this guy's incredible, but he has got a lot working against him. You know what that means, don't you? Go on. You shouldn't be taking him at pick four in a start-up league. <laughs> just, uh... Well, if it's Dynasty, I think still value to taking him avoid him avoid him (laughs) (laughs) i I, I presume uh chiggs has a fifth pick there i do have the fifth pick i'm not saying if you take him but uh Uh, any any last observations chiggs you'd like to call out we might Um, not have discussed we we've obviously talked about uh kyla murray and you know i think his stars pointing up the addition of nuke and if you look at their their schedule, I think, just pointing out, Arizona have got the fifth easiest part, um, pass um, passing schedule. Uh, you've got the Giants week 14, Philly week 15, see San Fran week 16 in the playoffs. But in general, I quite like Kyler's Murray, um, Kyler Murray's schedule for the year. Um, really impressed with him last year. I can see him doing, you know, good stuff. You know, I have him the top five QB this year. And we mentioned 49ers, and I know they're in division, but they were, they were one of very few teams who put points on the 49ers last year. Even um, the masterminds at San Fran couldn't work out how to stop that air raid offense. I mean, they ended up winning, of course, but they got points put on them. So you know, I, I would trust Cliff Kingsbury from an offensive perspective to to get points on the board it's just whether they can stop other teams scoring of course cliff kingsbury knows what he's doing you see this house right so oh yes man uh, man man knows what he's doing i think of all the homes i saw in the draft that was certainly the one that stood out just had that wow factor about it and then you saw bill belichick sitting in what looked like a kitchenette in his basement just that was was the death star (laughs) exactly (laughs) And Mo, any last observations you'd like to call out? Um, maybe uh, I, I'm kind of bullish on Jacobs, running back for uh, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. There, I think they have a they have a fairly easy uh, run schedule, uh, ranked seventh. Seventh, the pass uh, schedule is ranked twenty fifth. I think they're gonna lean on him a little a little more this year. I think both dynasty um, and redraft leagues. I think I would target him in the second round. Um, late second round because uh, I mean there's there's other players there but I mean he, he you know if if I had an option of taking him between maybe Drake um, uh, I, I would probably lean towards him this year um, but yeah I mean that, that's one thing and uh, one major thing I was always intrigued by is like you know you have the central schedule a lot of it a lot of some of it also has to do with where it's played but I mean how how are the games going to be played this year are we going to have uh, stadiums you know uh, half capacity three quarters a quarter or even zero 
how much of that does that how much does that affect the um, home field advantage there with you know some of these stadiums that you know you know you have a lot of, you have noise is a major issue. No, it's a very good point, particularly mm-hmm. when you think about the likes of the Steelers with all the noise and the terrible towels, the Chiefs with all the noise at Arrowhead. Broncos fans always turn up, make a lot of noise. Eagles and Bills, very rowdy uh, and passionate fan base there as well. So it's very good consideration. New York's 12th man. Yep, good old 12th man. He'll be a sixth man if it's half capacity. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining. Thanks for your inputs, guys. Paul did drop off just a short while ago, so we missed saying goodbye to him. But uh, this is rounding off episode 15, so it's goodbye from myself, Chicks. See you guys. And Mo. Giddy up. We'll catch you soon.